right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, I have been looking forward to talking about this one. We're through episode 300 now. We did our big live show on Evil Dead Rise last week, and now we can get back to some of these other movies that have been coming out lately, and we are talking about The Pope's Exorcist. I am so happy to be talking about it. Uh, This was a movie I was really looking forward to. When I first saw the trailer, I was just like, what even is this? And uh, let's just say it delivered on exactly what was going through my mind when I watched that trailer. So uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I had a great time talking about it with first-time guest to the show, Ren Geekness. And uh, yeah, we get into a lot of great puzzle pieces on this one, a lot of great points to talk about. So yeah, fun one coming up here. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at PiecingPod, and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and puzzle pieces where i continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show also uh you know this this is a good time to mention because i feel like this is a movie we could have brought up dozens of other puzzle pieces i had like at least three or four down on my list that i didn't even get to so if you have any pieces for the pope's exorcist that we didn't talk about please send them in whether that be on twitter in the popcorn and puzzle pieces group or just email me my emails in the show notes i'd love to hear from you and i will read your puzzle pieces on the next trailer episode so do get in touch and uh other than that i guess it's time to figure out this movie the pope's exorcist All right, there was a vast network of conspiracies trying to keep me from piecing this one together, but we're here, we're going to do it. We're talking The Pope's Exorcist, and here with me is Ren Geekness. Ren, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, man. Thank you so much for having me. I actually never got the chance to talk about this one uh, on my channel, so you're allowing me to get it out of my system. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> that That is good to hear because uh, I think there'll be plenty to talk about with this movie. But uh, 100%. You know, before we get too deep into it, tell my listeners a little about you and uh, your channel and what you do. Well, I'm a film critic. I I do video reviews on YouTube. Sometimes you'll find my words on Get Your Comic Con, on Mama's Geeky. I've written for the playlist. Um, I'm just a movie enthusiast, much like yourself, much like I'm sure Mm -hmm. many of your listeners. And I just love to talk about movies. It was just a busy time when I went to watch this film. I went to watch it as it was released here in the UK, but it was the weekend of Star Wars Celebration, so I couldn't find the time uh, to review it. but yeah, it's it, like you said, it's one we're going to have a lot to talk about um, with, with Pope's Exorcist. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, I, I just want to say, like, before we start getting into puzzle pieces and all that stuff, uh, I when I first saw this trailer, uh, I, I think it might have been before Knock at the Cabin a couple months ago, mm-hmm. I, I came home afterwards and, you know, I tweeted like, is this a horror comedy? Because like I watched the trailer and I was just cracking up. I was like, this is ridiculous. And one of the film's producers, Jeff Katz, actually tweeted back at me. He was like, we want everybody to laugh. This is definitely meant to be funny. And 
And from that point forward, I was like, I can't wait to see this movie. Russell Crowe with this thick Italian accent and these just very over-the-top possessed kids. And like, it just looked like a fun time versus a straight-up horror movie. Was that the impression you got going into this? Well, to be honest, I only watched about half the trailer. It was one of those films where at one point I felt like I was seeing too much because it's mm. an exorcism movie. Like, we've seen a million of those. So, I, And what it showed me was like, okay, I'm seeing a ton of stuff I've seen before. The only reason I went into it, this one semi-excited was Russell Crowe because he's yeah. simply put one of my favorite actors on screen. I think he always brings it 100%. And then... A couple of days before I went to watch it, I was booking my tickets to go watch it near the place Star Wars Celebration was at. And I'm checking, like, the cast and the talent behind it. Oh, Julia Savory directed this. I love Overlord. So my oh, excitement yeah. went up slight a bit. And then, like, on, on my way over, I was listening to a, to a podcast Russell Crowe was on, and he was just talking about it. I, I didn't know he was a real person. I didn't know how much they drew on from his experiences, from his writings into this film. So the more and more I actually started diving into the making of this film, because 99.9% .9 of the time I just stay away from everything. Like Russell Crowe starts in an exorcism movie. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. But as I dove more into it, I'm like, I should be somewhat excited for this. So it was a really interesting experience. <laughs> Right on. Yeah. And I, I agree. I mean, Russell Crowe, he's, he's in a weird, uh, it, it's not a renaissance because he's just, it, it's, he's doing interesting things right now. I feel like yeah. ever since the nice guys a few years ago, he's just kind of gotten this like new take on his own career and he's just trying different things. He just directed a movie. He He's just like yeah. kind of in, in all these different roles now and not so much you know russell crowe oscar winner you know just going yeah. for like the big dramas or whatnot and so it's really fun to see and yeah i mean i was definitely uh in for russell crowe the pope's exorcist so uh <laughs> with that said let's start getting into some puzzle pieces what do you have for your first piece well for my first piece is very obvious and that is william friedkin's the exorcist that that's sure. the template for every single one of these with good reason I, like yeah. the greatest exorcism movie was already made and it was the first one um and doesn't really debate some of the themes that the exorcist deals in but the relationship dynamic between exorcist and demon that it explores there it plants some of the same seeds freaking did in his classic for sure and you see it all through the film yeah Absolutely. It is the blueprint and uh, it's it's fingers are all over every single exorcism movie that's come since. And yeah. it's funny that this one and, and again, this comes back to the idea of going into this thing with it. Is it funny or not? Like this movie takes the uh, the dirtiest uh, dialogue of the possessed uh, child and just runs with that. I mean, <laughs> this is yeah. probably voiced by <laughs> Ralph Ineson. Uh, this is probably the the filthiest uh, possessed uh, child demon uh, creature thing in an exorcism movie, and uh, it, it's it's ridiculous. And the way that um, Russell Crowe never loses his cool against all of this just awfulness that's being spewed at him uh and of course coming out of this this little kid who uh does a great job henry uh peter d'souza frey honey 
Yeah, it, it's it, you totally see that it's it knows you've seen every exorcism movie. So, yeah, let's have some fun with it. Yeah, 100 percent. And it's exactly what you said about Russell Crowe keeping his cool. That's a big part of what kept me intrigued where I'm expecting, oh, he's going to freak out and he's going to not know what to do. This is a low point. No, he's just he keeps at it and he keeps getting more invested despite what's being thrown at him getting more deeply personal to his journey and what we find out about him and his backstory and all the struggles that we see glimpses of of he's breaking the rules of the vatican and he's very unorthodox <laughs> and i'm i like characters like that i, I was very intrigued about oh, okay what well, what why is he reacting or not reacting let's say in a certain way and so he just keeps pulling you in more to his side um not only because of not reacting but then his jokes, his humor, where the devil, he hates jokes, so let's keep making jokes, let's keep spirits high. I just thought, very interesting. I don't know how faithful it was to the actual Gabriel Amort, um, yeah, the real sure. Pope's exorcist, but he made an interesting character all to his own, and, and that's really what keeps you invested in him and, and in his goal to save this child. Like you said, does a really good job. Like, what he's actually doing... Yeah, a child speaking a gravelly voice, speaking profanity, and yeah, you've seen it, but the performance, like Crows, is very committed. Absolutely. I feel like Ralph Innocent should voice every possessed child. Um, it, yes. <laughs> it's a great voice. He, he just, so. he, he should voice every demon ever, because you don't even yes. need to modify the voice. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Uh, so the exorcist, of course, um, has to be part of the conversation, but it is, you know, an obvious one to start with. And I think it's an important one to start with. I, another one that I think maybe is is pretty obvious. I, I usually try not to use a director's previous films as a puzzle piece, but I wanted to bring Overlord into this because I was um, going to use it. <laughs> yeah, good. I, I think it, I think it totally fits. I think, first yeah. of all, um, you know, I, obviously we, we know that Father Amor is, uh, you know, a, a real person, but this character of Amor um, could have fought in the war that there were Nazi yeah. zombies during, and uh, we could be creating a little universe here of supernatural, uh, you know, religious and real true history all kind of mashing together. Um, I, you know, it's also... The thing about this movie that I had so much fun with is the same thing that Overlord does. And I don't know if this is just something that uh, Julius Avery is just a fan of doing in his movies or if it's just so high, you know, coincidence that these two movies happen. But it's taking these kind of well-worn genre things and just having fun with them, but not straight up a full-fledged comedy but just a knowing wink in its eye every moment of the whole thing like it, it knows very much you've seen zombie movies in overlord and you've seen nazi movies and can you believe we're mashing them together like isn't that crazy like i feel like that was the tone of overlord and i loved it for that and this is you've seen exorcism movies here's this guy with this crazy Italian accent and making jokes the whole time. Like, can you believe we're, we're making light of exorcism movies? And I feel like they both have that tone of like, just this, this gleam in their eye and kind of winking at the camera. Yeah. He has this ability of not necessarily reinventing genres. That certainly doesn't feel like his goal in overlord or in Pope's exorcist, 
but he has this ability to bend the conventions without really breaking mm. what makes us fall in love with these genres or more specifically sub-genres and like you said there's this tongue-in-cheek sensibility to it where it knows exactly that you know exactly you're coming in for an exorcism movie so let's just tweak things a bit Let, let's give it a little bit of a glimmer and let's go a little bit crazy because later into the film much like overlord he goes a little bit nuts in a very good way <laughs> yeah absolutely the, la the last 20 minutes of this movie are just gold and uh, i i'm so there for just how nuts it gets and that'll come up in some puzzle pieces i'm sure but uh what do, what do you have for your next piece well, I don't know if I'm going to throw a curveball, because this one, I feel like the movie, and, and more importantly, the original comic book character, could have maybe been inspired by the real Gabriella Mort, that then gave away to comic book character, a movie, and now we have the movie on Gabriella Mort, and that is Constantine, where you have Not this sure. very unorthodox, religious character that serves under the faith, but breaks the rules he doesn't serve under all the regularities that are imposed upon him and that rubs some of the higher-ups in the church and the organization the wrong way much like they do uh in john constantine so i found a lot of parallels certainly gabriel amor is much more humorous and much more uh well-mannered mm. let's say than john constantine but there are a lot of interesting parallels between the two i I kept the puzzle piece as specific to the movie itself because I think it still holds true, but you could refer this puzzle piece to the entire comic book history of Hellblazer. I, I Yeah, I guess you could have that in there as well. And yeah, I, I, I it's weird. We haven't been getting those kind of movies, and I know that there's been uh, rumblings. I don't know, is it official that we're getting another Constantine movie? It was before James Gunn came in, and I think now it's... Not a, mm. It hasn't officially been announced that it's dead, but I, I think right now we can count it as pretty much dead, unless they come out and announce it, which I'd love. I would love yeah. to see it happening, 100%. I feel like, but the, the like religion-based thrillers and fantasies and, and horror and like all those kind of things, like there, it was such a thing in the 90s and then into the early 2000s, and we just kind of don't do it that often anymore. Yeah. Um, I Maybe The Pope's Exorcist, I mean, it, it did pretty damn good this weekend. Maybe it'll kick some things off here. But uh, I, I think, um, you know, I'm just going to jump right into my next puzzle piece because it deals with that. I'm going to The Prophecy, the Christopher Walken uh, series Ooh. of movies which are so much fun. And again, it, it does the same thing I was just talking about. Like it, it's, it's religious horror, but with this little gleam in its eye, you know? And in that case, it comes from the villain instead of the hero with Christopher Walken's <laughs> amazingly fun performance. And, uh, you still get a lot of those same things of like the the hidden conspiracies and uh, all, all these secrets behind the church and the true stories of these uh, demons and and angels and fallen angels and all this stuff. And it's a really fun world in which to play in, you know, regardless of what is true, what's not true, and what actually comes from any of the religious teachings and what's just made up for a fun movie. Yeah, uh, I I agree. I'm I'm not. I have not seen the prophecy movies, but I've read extensively on that. I know like exactly what they're about, and obviously not one that would come to my mind. But I think it fits very well into this because th that's exactly right. That's what Gabriel Amort was. He was not 
uh, the conventional kind of priest, kind of exorcist that would just say yes and, and confine himself to follow those rules. And not only in his personality, not only when it comes to his craft, but really his personality, really who he is. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to change that just to fit into a mold which fits into that very well. I would definitely recommend that first Prophecy movie. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I haven't seen it in years, but I'm planning on rewatching it, actually. I've been in the mood for it ever since I watched The Pope's Exorcist last week. <laughs> so uh, what do you have for your next one? All right. I think I'm going to throw a curveball here because I'm not going to do horror, but I think mm. subtly in the background and maybe more specifically at the very end of the film without wanting to spoil anything, there is a, a John Wickness to this film in terms of its world building. Um, sure. That as a major fan of the John Wick movies, I even made a John Wick fan film. Um, I, I, I was just, oh yes, more of this. And just specific to exorcists around the world creating this order of capturing these very powerful demons. Because it's, it's not just a random demon. It's one of the seven demon lords uh, of the nine circles of hell, which is fascinating to me. Um, and I just love, like we were talking about, where he goes nuts in the last 20 minutes. This is part of that nuts. No, no let's create this whole thing where now we're going after these demons and there's this whole order. Maybe the next one doesn't have Russell Crowe. Maybe the next one doesn't have Gabriella Mort. But now you can have all these badass exorcists going around the world <laughs> facing off against these demons to a, an amazing church Avengers <laughs> crossover at the end. I don't know, but the promise is there, and I kind of love it, even if it doesn't happen, that they were willing to like put it out there into the universe. Yeah, the balls to basically set up 199 sequels at the end of this movie. Yes. Because they, they say that there's 200 <laughs> sites on Earth that yeah. are cursed like this. It's uh, it's amazing. And uh, I know I know that uh, that producer was saying that he wants to get Paul Giamatti for a sequel if they uh, if they end up Ooh, getting to make one. Oh, I love one. that. He would fit so well in this world. I I would just be so down for that. So, uh, yeah, John Wick, great one. And and yeah, it does it does do a lot of that world building of like setting up that there's all this like all this stuff going on behind the uh the catholic church and demons and and priests and all this stuff so yeah you could totally go there i love that um i will go for my next one uh the dark universe mummy movie with russell crowe as jekyll and ah. hyde um we get to that end scene where everything starts going off the rails and uh you know Russell Crowe is basically getting to do what was the best part of the Mummy movie. That was a notorious flop and, you know, was not a very good movie as much as I love Tom Cruise and as much as I wanted that whole Dark Universe thing to actually work out. Um, it was a very bad movie, but Russell Crowe was the shining light of that. I thought he was so much fun as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and he basically gets to do it all over again here once he gets possessed in the uh, end sequence. And by the way, uh, spoilers are allowed on the show. Okay. So get into any spoilers if you want. But uh, yeah, once he uh, starts uh, getting possessed and, and going back and forth between those states, uh, it was like returning to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm actually I'm, I'm not a fan of that mommy, but I am a bigger fan of it than most people. A big reason for that is Russell Crowe. And I just love the whole yeah. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde dynamic. And like we were talking about. 
not necessarily a great movie. He is fully committed to whatever the material he was given was. Uh, and this is no different from the crazy, over-the-top portrayal of the demon in his own body, the pool of blood, the screaming like at himself, uh, mm -hmm. seeing the, the woman he let die that he carries the guilt of. Just all of it was more of this. I wanted the rest of the movie up until then to be this crazy, this much a blast that it was. Because yeah. it was just so cool to see him go so figuratively and literally loud in his performance absolutely that'll actually factor into my next puzzle piece but uh what do you have Ooh. for your next puzzle piece well my next one more correlates to the whole not necessarily backstory but the the side the story thread of the vatican hiding these actual curses these this conspiracy involving the vatican and the church and the last time we saw that was I specifically pointed out angels and demons, but you can chalk it up to the entire like Dan Brown um, series of films, though this one is very specific to it, where the Vatican yeah. is doing very bad things that doesn't want anyone to know, and that's why they have these very strict rules and regulations. That's why they call Father Gabriel Amort out on it. Um, and I just saw a lot of parallels with that. That was my favorite aspect of of angels and demons both the book and the movie was this whole conspiracy that goes back centuries and this one is certainly more fantastical so personally it is more intriguing to me but i i, I saw a lot of parallels in that and, and while dan brown's stories are more related to to history and more factual per se mm -hmm. i i like that this whole thing dives into the the whole I don't want to say mythology, maybe, of how hell works and the hierarchy of sure. demons and all that. It was just very, very interesting. Was I right? I, I've only seen the Pope's Exorcist once so far, but uh, am I right in saying that the implications are that, uh, like, during the Crusades and all that, the the person who, like, kind of set everything in motion for the Catholic Church uh, was possessed by a demon, and so everything from that point forward is all basically evil, <laughs> like, going forward. that That's what I got from it, but essentially they're saying the Crusades sent the entire history of the world to shit. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. What, what a great way to set up uh, a world of nonstop yeah. action, like you said, with your John Wick piece. So, uh, yeah, yeah, just, uh, we got a lot of action to get into. Again, like you called out, the, the balls the balls yes. to like call the church so subtly because they don't even pat themselves on the back but it's like church you did bad <laughs> yeah absolutely uh so you were just talking about uh how you know you wish there was more of um you know the the craziness of the ending of this movie throughout mm -hmm. because this movie does feel the need i think for the most part aside from some you know funny bits here and there with with russell crowe riding on his vespa and all that kind of stuff um it does feel the need to be a exorcism movie for a good chunk of the runtime and uh, while some of that is fun, it's kind of run-of-the-mill for a lot of that time. And that made me think of a movie I love so much, uh, James Wan's Malignant. And uh, another movie that is a horror movie that actually is hilarious once you like get down to it. But um, it spends the majority of its time feeling like it needs to be this like haunted house like you know creepy what's going on kind of movie whereas if we were to get to the crazy that comes about in the last 30 40 minutes of malignant earlier 
I mean, it would be like five star, one of my favorite movies. Like the last 30, 40 minutes yeah. are just so amazing. And uh, I feel like that's kind of the same trajectory that like the Pope's Exorcist takes from uh, trying to play as a straightforward of this particular subgenre of horror and then finally letting loose and getting crazy. Uh, they both kind of take that path. Yeah, because up until those last 20 minutes, it's just a very 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 conventional exorcism movie like everything about yeah. it from the setting to the family the family dynamics the the kid who gets possessed the, the demon tries to infiltrate like everything about it's just it's a cliche of two kind of subgenres where it's the cliches of an exorcism movie the cliches of a haunted house movie all jumbled together and if not for that background story thread of the conspiracy in the Vatican and the personality, really, of Father Gabriel Amour, I think it would have just slightly gone down for me. But if, like you said, if it was that finale, that tone, that sensibility, that craziness all the way through, this would be a very strong recommendation. This would be one of the best movies of the year so far for me in what's yeah. building up to be a really strong year. Yeah, definitely. Well, what do you got for your next piece? Well, for my next piece, I you will call me out, honestly, if it is a little bit cheating, because it might feel a little bit too close to the John Wick comparison, but we're talking about the world building, if we're talking about fighting fantastical creatures con connected to the church and to the Christian faith and to the Vatican religion as a whole, before there was Gabriel Amort and the other priest's name was Pablo, if I'm not mistaken... There was another film that I find highly underrated. I, I genuinely love this movie, and it has a lot of the same dynamics when it comes to characters, and that is Van Helsing. Van sure. Helsing certainly went more out there, not necessarily just hell and demons in church, but it had a little bit of the church's support, uh, but it dealt more with classical monster movies. But I saw a lot of like parallels between where you have Hugh Jackman compared to Russell Crowe, and there's wider connections in there that's so funny that it is those two actors and then the more scarity cat kind of religious person that is more like obedient of the rules of the strict policies and all that and and i just love seeing those parallels and and maybe they're connected maybe they're set in the same <laughs> universe a hundred right. of years apart well julius avery is currently connected to a van helsing remake um, he's supposedly going to be making it. And I, I think it is a property that could work so damn well. And it's just a matter of doing it right. And I think he, this shows that he could do it right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting world to try to, uh, explore. And by the way, I, I'm not sure release date wise, how it is out there in the UK, but getting this the same weekend as Renfield here in the United States, um, you know, like you kind of get parallels there with that one as well. Like it sure. all kind of fits together. So, yeah, yeah we got it a fun, the week it's a fun before, weekend. Though, which I was shocked by. I was shocked by that oh, we got yeah. it the week before because we got it on the seventh. Um, okay. Right on. Well, yeah, I think that that's a good one. And uh, I, I'll go to another one here. Uh, another one that kind of plays along with the prophecy and uh, those kind of religious horror thrillers of the 90s. I'm going to go with The Ninth Gate. 
the uh, Roman Polanski film with Johnny oh, Depp. Oh, yeah. That is a movie that I haven't seen in many, many, many years. Um, but it's about a rare book collector who gets in over his head uh, after he's been asked to track down this old, like, satanic book and ends up getting into all these conspiracies and creepy religious stuff and uh, all these kinds of secrets. And it's funny, I think in this is going to be like episode 301 of the podcast. And in 300 oh, episodes, nice. I don't think I've ever had the uh, necessity to comment on a woman's body, but uh, a classic in boobs in horror movies <laughs> was The Ninth Gate. <laughs> and I think that if uh, 14-year-old Dave had seen The Pope's Exorcist, he'd probably also be a really big fan of the bloody boobs at the end of this one. That, that's true. <laughs> a shocking amount of boobs. I was not expecting to there be uh, suddenly new... There, there's not a lot, but there is sudden nudity at yes. one point it's been a while since i've seen the ninth gate but as soon as you brought it up like like a light bulb on top of my head like the parallels just started the dots started connecting for me yeah because there is so much of that but again much more over the top much more of a a wild ride this one i feel but yeah th those connect seamlessly to say the least yeah <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, what do you have for your next piece? Well, for my next one, uh, I have a very obvious one. I wanted to throw a little bit of some wild cards before stating the obvious ones, but my, this one is The Omen, uh, Cursed Child. Sure. And the reason I went to The Omen specifically, uh, obviously there it's the Antichrist and all that, but... I expected this one to be just, again, another demon. It's a random demon. Maybe they'll made, make up a demon for the film, but it was one of the demons who guard the nine circles of hell. It, was, it is one of the strongest demon lords in, in religion, and that is Asmodeus. Um, and I just really like that. That's one of the things that really, oh, there could be something really interesting done with this, and, and they sure make it work with the dynamic Asmodeus as um, with Gabriel Amort and their their connection, like how much she knows about him, his power and all that. And I just think it creates a different enough dynamic that comes quite close to, to the omen and, and what's going on with that possession. You know, somehow I've never seen the omen. Um, I, it's just one of those classics I've never gotten around to. And uh, one of these days I'm going to have to. I have a lot of those, so I would definitely recommend yeah. it. I would not recommend the sequels. Uh, <laughs> sure. Well, I've only seen I've only seen the second one. I, I I know there's more, but I've only seen the second one. But that one is, is strong. Uh, it, it's yeah. uh, again, it's a classic. Maybe it doesn't hold up as well. It's been a while as well since I've seen it, but it's just one of those staples that I had to mark off my list. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I will go with another James Wan-related puzzle piece. Uh, I'm going to go with The Nun, the uh, spinoff from the Conjuring series, which seemed like it was going to be maybe the scariest of the Conjuring movies because that character is so scary. Um, and then turned out to be just a ridiculous, silly, almost Scooby-Doo-like time. And, like, it gets into yeah. such, like, silliness in this, like, weird haunted house where there, there's this one scene where uh, they set up this bell that you can uh, ring to make sure the person's actually dead or whatever, and then the guy gets knocked into the grave and rings the bell. Like, it's just jokes in this world. And uh, I, I felt like the tone of this all just 
feels like that where it's like it's not again like we're, we're kind of like going back to that same idea that i talked about with like malignant where it's like it's not a straight up horror comedy but it's like isn't this ridiculous you know this is like we're playing yeah. with it we're winking we're having fun with it and uh i don't know i feel like this movie a lot of people didn't get that it was funny like th that it was supposed mm -hmm. to be funny from the from the onset and i feel like the nun we found out later on was uh you know uh, uh, kayla cooper's going to be writing the sequel and you know she did malignant she did uh, uh megan earlier this year i mean i have a feeling they're really going to lean into the humor of that and uh the silly characters and all that stuff with this next the nun movie that's coming out later this year I hope so, because it's one that had a lot of potential. My favorite film in the Conjuring universe is The Conjuring 2. That's where Valak was introduced. And, and so I sure. was excited for the original the, the Nun. And it's just very dour. It doesn't have really a lot of fun with itself. But the final set piece in that film is eerily similar to the final set piece in The Pope's Exorcist. From the location... Sure, yeah. To like the steps, the, the literal fight against the demon is very similar where you have a puddle of water in the middle the and water. becomes like an important location for apparitions and for characters to cleanse themselves. So there's a lot, a lot of similarities between the two. And I would certainly say this one worked out much better than the nun. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, I only have one more piece left. Uh, do you have any more pieces you want to bring up? I have one that actually connects really nicely to what you just brought up in The Nun, where my mine was The Conjuring. Sure. This one, not necessarily for all the movie's pros, and we've been lauding this movie with pros, which it has a lot, but to me, when you compare it especially to The Conjuring, which is one of the most recent successful haunted house possession movies this is one that just takes everything all the cliches and tropes from that movie and just puts them in into this one I, I i think it's a, a puzzle piece that connects but it highlights more the faults or so of the of mm. the pope's exorcist because this has now at least in recent years become kind of the the template for haunted house movies possession movies and what this film did is very similar to, to The Conjuring, where the family dynamic with what they go through, the challenges and, and the struggles they already have before the, the, um, the possession in and it of itself. Uh, and this yeah. one certainly goes way farther with it to Wilder Territory, but I, I just found that it was an important shout-out, especially once you shouted out The Nun, I found this, this connection to be much stronger. Yeah, absolutely. And that and that goes right back to what I was talking about with Malignant, where it's like it, it this movie feels the need to for at least the first uh almost two thirds of the movie, like be a conventional horror movie. And it's like if, if it would yeah. just let loose a little bit more, uh, just like it does in the end, it would it would be like a, a full full throated recommend. Um I, I'm going to end it with uh, more of the fun that is in The Pope's Exorcist. And uh, rather than any particular movie, although there's plenty of examples you could point to, I'm going to go with buddy cop movies just in general. Um, you've got you've got these nice. two 
uh, priests who they have to team up together. One of them is kind of a rookie. The other one's just like an old pro. And then the Pope basically is their, their boss, like back at the, at the office, yeah. like yelling at them and, and sending in their, their orders and, and giving them, giving them their uh, directives and all that. And you, you basically have that full setup and between the whole buddy cop aspect of this movie. And then there's the full, balls to the wall crazy supernatural stuff that happens in the end that is where the fun in the pope's exorcist is yeah uh, i fully agree and again buddy cop dynamic was present in van helsing you want to talk about the pope specifically in this film played by frank conero who yes. ran the continental hotel in italy in john wick 2 so another mm -hmm. connection there and i just love that idea of the pope sending out demon assassins which really is what exorcists are out into those 199 possessed haunted places throughout the world <laughs> movies are great aren't they i love movies amazing we love movies for, for good reason <laughs> absolutely well i will read down the list of all the movies we just talked about and then we'll get into some closing thoughts here but we kicked it off with the exorcist and overlord and then went to constantine the prophecy john wick the mummy the da vinci code angels and demons malignant van helsing the ninth gate the omen the nun the conjuring and buddy cop movies uh yeah a, a lot of like it, it's funny like you get into the action you get into the supernatural and the horror you get into the comedies like this movie is a lot of tones kind of mashed together and uh yeah i'm glad we got into franco nero's pope at the end there because um that that's one of the other things that's great about this it's like all the performances are so much fun and the yeah. end is so much fun and so it, i can't really like say that all of it works because of that first you know 30 40 minutes where we're just kind of setting up a haunted house but there's so much fun to be had though Yep, uh, not all of it works, but so much of it's of the wildest cards it plays, what it throws at, at their do work and is so admirable in like knowing exactly what it's doing and fully committing to it. Like obviously Russell Crowe leads the charge, but like everyone behind him and in front of the camera, behind the camera, fully commits as much as himself. Like I think if you look at it as just another take on the exorcism movie formula it's familiar it's narratively tame per se but its style is so distinct there's genuine tension uh there's unorthodox like in a good way uncomfortable visuals and and set pieces and russell crowe's amort is just a cool quirky mm -hmm. and and really intriguing character genuinely intriguing where like this isn't how a priest should behave i want to know more and he fully brings you into that ride absolutely yeah when he uh when all of that craziness happens at the end and then and then he survives and then they're just like on the floor basically panting and and uh the other priest is like are you okay and he's like am i right you know it's like it's just <laughs> yeah. like the tone of that is just so he knows exactly what he's doing and he is uh he's 100 percent committed so uh yeah uh, props to russell crowe he's he's great here oh, yeah. and uh yeah a fun movie overall but uh, i think that does it for the pope's exorcist ren is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners uh i just recently watched makoto shinkai suzume 
Uh, if you have not okay. seen it, go watch it. Please go go give it your money on the big screen. It is one that deserves it. If you like your name, if you like weathering with you, it is certainly better than the latter. Uh, not quite as good as your name, but that's just an unfair comparison because that's one of the greatest films ever made for me. Uh, Suzume, mm. just go watch Suzume. Take your tissues. I didn't think I was gonna cry, and then <laughs> boom, there we go. Uh, so yeah, that one you. for sure. Awesome. Great recommendation. Uh, Ren, thank you so much for doing the show. Tell people where they can find you and your channel. Thank you so much for having me. It was the first of hopefully many times we can collab and start to chat with one another, even if not on the pod. You can find me on Twitter, Letterbox, YouTube at Ren Geekness, YouTube for video reviews. Whenever I don't have time to do a video on something, I'll just log a review on Letterbox or You'll find my words on, on the sites I previously mentioned. Uh, not too much going on this week, but I do have a Suzume review going out, and there's a Renfield right now, a review right now on the channel, the latest review right there. So thank you again for having me. This was really fun, and like I said, just allow me to get Pope's Exorcist thoughts out of my system in a really cool way that I had never done before, like connecting all these dots and, and and similarities between other films that that i i genuinely like too so thank you so much what's new listeners i'm arthur howell the host of two cents critic here on the program we give reviews and recaps for books movies and tv shows there's a whole bunch of special guests to join in on the fun Maybe you want to hear about a contemporary romance novel like The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Or maybe you want to hear about the latest MCU movies and series. Or how about the best movie of 2022, or at least that's my opinion. Everything, everywhere, all at once. You can hear all of these discussions and more at Two Cents Critic. New episodes every Wednesday, available on most podcast streaming services. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about The Pope's Exorcist. Thanks to Ren Geekness for joining me on that one. It was a really fun one to talk about, that's for sure. Uh, Thank you to everybody out there for listening. Uh, This is 301. We just passed the 300 mark. A lot more podcasts on the way, though, and uh, currently in the process of planning some more live shows. I want to do some more stuff with the website. I want to I want to do all kinds of new things with the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're subscribed. Wherever it is you're listening right now, you can click the subscribe button. Maybe even hit a five-star button if there happens to be one. I really do appreciate it when you do that. And, of course, just keep on listening. You can also follow us on social media at PeacingPod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget, we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, from Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. So lots of great stuff over there. It's patreon.com slash bydavidrosen, and I do thank you for your support if you decide to support me in that way, too. So let's close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do. And you know what? This week, now that I'm through a bunch of very busy work that I've been doing the last uh, couple of weeks now, I'm going to finally get back to finishing up a new film score that I've been working on for director Chris Johnson. Uh, I worked with him on two features already and about six or seven shorts in the past. I actually, a few years ago, released an album of the score of one of those features called Beater, and then as bonus tracks on the album, uh, put all the music from all the shorts we had worked on. 
And uh, yeah, I'm back working with him now on his new film, and uh, it's coming out really good. I just need to put some finishing touches on it. I'm very happy with it so far. We will see. Maybe I will release something from it as an official release at some point, or maybe it'll go on the Patreon. I'm not quite sure yet, but uh, hopefully you'll be able to see the film at some point soon, too. Uh, but for now, since I'm getting back to work on that, I'm going to play a song from the Beater album. This was actually from one of those short films that I put the music as bonus tracks on the album. Uh, it's from a short film called Daisy, and this is a track from that called Don't Look Now. So I'm going to play that, and then we will be back with more Piecing It Together real soon. West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.